and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm so excited to be back on the mic with you all after taking a little bit of a hiatus, mostly because I have been so deep into wedding planning and the wedding planning process that I have not had the energy to be able to give to anything else right now. And yeah, just wow, the emotional roller coaster that is the wedding planning process, all the logistics and the details and the behind the scenes. And I've just been deep, deep, deep in it these last few months, um, ever since, I mean, really the past like 11 months as we've been planning this wedding. But back in February, I went on my bachelorette party in Tulum and I had recorded this episode for you all about the bachelorette, but then. I just didn't feel right about posting it. I felt like I needed some more time and space to just process things that were going on behind the scenes with different family relationships, different emotions that was coming up and yeah, I've just been really deep in it. So I imagine that once all the wedding planning stuff has died down, I'll be able to have some more time and space to be able to share and record with you all. So thank you for being patient with me. But I thought that I would pop in here and share a little conversation that I recorded with Paxton, my fiance and soon to be husband in just two weeks. I've been wanting to get Paxton on the podcast for like over a year now. I've been asking him. We've made plans to record the podcast and then some, like something always falls through or we're not feeling up to it. We're not like feeling like we want to do it. So we've just made many plans over the past year and has ne- it has never happened. But I was like, we're getting married in two weeks. Now is the time because I wanted to just share where we're at right now in our process and then be able to share hopefully again after the wedding too. But in this conversation, you'll just get to hear a little bit from me and Paxton and about the past five years of our relationship and what has led us to the point of getting married in two weeks and some of the different situations that we've had to navigate, um, some of the different challenges that we've moved through over the last five years And it's a really interesting conversation. You'll hear a lot more about Paxton and just his perspective and how we've been able to move through different challenges together. So I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. And I will pop in sometime in the future with more wedding planning updates once I've had some time and space to process. But for now, enjoy this conversation with my last time I can call him fiance, soon to be husband, Paxton Henderson. Hello, my love. Welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. It's a pleasure being here. So I'm going to start with asking you the first question that I ask everyone when they come on, and that is, what is currently fueling your creative soul? So for me, I would say the answer to that question is writing my vows, because it's getting me out into nature, allowing me to see God in nature and God's creation and then really reflect on, you know, what marriage is going to mean to me, 
what you are going to mean to me, like what you mean to me currently, and like how to preserve that love that we share, and like really just going in, because it's really hard to explain love through just words, like I feel it inside me, and it gives me, you know, I, I know the feeling, but it's like, you know, human language can only go so far in describing that, so you really have to get creative in how you describe that. Yeah, that's a good a good observation, like feeling it versus talking about it, because it is hard to do that. So how is writing your vows going? I guess it's going good. <laughs> yeah, it's going good. I mean, luckily, you know, I'm done with school now, so I have a lot of free time as far as, you know, I'm not having to worry about writing papers and, like, taking away my creative juices and putting them into other projects. It's just writing my vows, like, really pouring my heart and soul into the vows, trying to make it as best as I can and as clear, but also as, like, as meaningful as possible and really portraying that to you the best I can. Yeah, that's beautiful, and I have been on and off writing my vows, but I need to sit down and actually do it, but we have been wanting to do this podcast for a long, long time. I've been begging you to do the podcast for probably like over a year, and you were always open to the idea, but we just never found a good time. And now we're like, okay, I want to record a podcast before we get married, just to kind of solidify this time in our lives. And currently, as we're recording this, we're getting married in exactly two weeks. And so, yeah, I think today will be a good opportunity for us to just connect and share about what our journey has been like so far in our relationship as we prepare to take this huge next step. So... I feel like I've told this podcast, I did a, I don't know if you know this, but I did an engagement podcast episode where I talked about like our engagement story and then I like talked about our relationship a little bit there. So I feel like maybe in that episode I talked about how we met, but I would love to hear it from your perspective on how did we meet and what was your first impression of me when we met? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess, I mean... <laughs> it was at a, a bar in small town, New London, Connecticut. So, and I was definitely not expecting anything to, to happen that night or definitely not to meet the love of my life and get married, you know, five years down the road to this person that I was going to meet there. And like, I had just went out with a few friends from the school that I was in. It was in the Navy. It was like a radioman C school. It's like a more technical school. And like, you know, I met these guys during my time there and like, we're like, yeah, let's just go and hit the town and have some drinks and like, you know, have fun. And so that's what I was doing. I was just drinking with my friends, having fun, (laughs) and then probably had one too many drinks. I mean, I'm sure you remember probably (laughs) more than one too many drinks. But then, yeah, I remember meeting you like, you know, that night and like having a good, just being silly, you know, like. I think I remember like me trying to put chapstick on you, you know, buying you green tea shots and like just going and dancing awfully. (laughs) But, you know, it was just like in the moment, it was just me having fun. And then I think the next day when we went out on the date, like I think I really just noticed the, the first thing I'd say I noticed about you was your, I guess, not 
not courage. I would say the way you carried yourself, your confidence. That's probably the first thing that I noticed above all things. You were like very confident in your skin and who you were and like, you know, you weren't, you didn't seem like you were super worried about, you know, if you didn't have your makeup perfect. Like, I don't think you had makeup on at all. And so it was just like, yeah, like you just weren't concerned with like appearing perfect. Like you just came as you were, you were comfortable in your skin. And that was pretty refreshing to me. And then we just like started talking about different things. And like, we actually shared a lot in common. We like to read and go to the beach. And I mean, I feel like most people like to go to the beach and go to, go to coffee shops, especially nowadays, but like really reading and like our intention of just like really growing was, you know, a mutual thing that we had in common. And like, you know, we were new to one another. So like I had never like been in a relationship with someone with like a drama background and like being in the theater and stuff like that. And I think you would probably say the same. You probably never had been in a close relationship with someone who was a Navy guy, like military guy. So it's like two totally different sides. And there was a lot to learn there. So it was very intriguing at first to just really learn about you and to grow with you. Yeah, I love that. I think, yeah, it's so interesting to reflect back on like five years ago because I do feel like we were different people five years ago. <laughs> and I like, I, yeah, I already want to get emotional because yeah, just a lot is like swirling there. And I don't, yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard the story from your perspective, but yeah, it's so, I think it's interesting to reflect, right, the two people that we were who met five years ago at the bar, and, like, from the story, from my perspective, it was, like, I wanted to kiss, I wanted to make out with someone at the bar that night, and so that was my intention, and I literally walked into the bar, and I just walked up to the bar, and you just happened to be the guy on my right, <laughs> actually, you are my left, you were the guy on my left, and then we, then I think you gave me a green tea shot. You offered me some chapstick or maybe I took your chapstick and then we just kissed. And then that was kind of how that night went. And then, yeah, I stole your phone or somehow I had your phone, which I'm kind of, and I remember like texting myself from your phone, but so I, I don't know. There was something there that like I, cause you, it's not like you asked for my number or anything. Like I texted myself from my phone from your phone. And I actually had this thought that I was just going to steal your phone and never give it back to you. <laughs> and I did steal it for a while. Cause I was like, there's this drunk guy who like, doesn't even know what he's doing. And I took your phone and I, I was like, Oh yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if I just never gave it back? But then I, I did give it back. But yeah, I always wonder that of like, what was that impetus for me to text myself? Like clearly there was something there, even though at that point you were just some random dude, some random drunk dude that I kissed and that, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I, you, you talked a little bit about like some of the stuff that I think connected us at first, which you're right, that we were very different and that took some getting used to on my end of like, I think that in my mind I had like some very clear judgments about who I thought someone from, someone who grew up in the South, someone who was in the military, like I kind of had written off those people in my head because I thought of them in a certain way. And I think meeting you 
what you surprised me with is that you constantly like defied my preconceived judgment of what kind of person you were. And I like noticed that in like the first couple of years of our relationship that I kind of thought that you would be one way because of my assumptions. And then you were always just proving me differently. And like, I was always surprised that you were continuing to show me the person you were. And it was not the person that I expected you to be, if that makes any sense. But yeah, you had talked about like some of the things that connected us in the beginning, even though we were really different, grew up kind of differently, but there was a lot of similarities in just our interests and how, yeah, we loved to go to the coffee shops. I love to explore the whole New England area. And I remember like a month after we met, we were taking trips to Newport, Rhode Island. We took a trip to Cape Cod. We went to Block Island in Rhode Island. We went to Boston to go see Giant Little Pill. So like, yeah, there was a lot of things that like I was looking to do because I wanted to explore the New England area and you were just always so down to go on these adventures with me. So yeah, I think that's where a lot of that started. But I guess going back into like the early, like because the way that I think about our relationship, I think about it as there was the first two years that we were together and getting to know each other. And it was like very hot, not hot and heavy, but just like it was immediate. Like I remember there wasn't, as in like after we met, we like basically never spent another day apart. Like we were always constantly together. I would see you every day. You would come over every night. And yeah, I guess that was kind of interesting. So yeah, so I think about our relationship in like two parts because there was the first two years where I think we were learning a lot about each other. We were spending a lot of time together, but also just learning a lot about each other. And then after the first two years is when I went to India and I went to my travels in Southeast Asia. And I was also planning to move away from Connecticut, which is where we had met and where you were living. And so I guess in my mind, I was thinking like, oh, this relationship is going to end because I'm moving but I feel like you were always very steadfast and committed and loyal. And that was something that I wasn't used to. And also something that I kind of wanted to run away from in the past. So, yeah, I guess my question for you is, how would you describe those first two years of our relationship? And like, what were you learning about me, but also yourself in that process? Yeah, I mean, so for the first two years of our relationship, I think you're right. Like, we kind of had the same idea. Well, I would say I was more of, like, of the mind of just, like, here's this great girl. Like, we're having, like, we do share interests. And, like, this is all kind of new to me. Like, she's very outgoing. And, like, you know, I don't actually like to travel. And, like, if it was up to me, like, I probably would have just sat in my room and, like, played video games and then just went out at night with my friends And, like, but here you are, you're, like, wanting to go and see all of Connecticut and this and that, and I really liked you, so you just, you, I just, I had the car, so I drove (laughs) us around, and it was great for me, though. Like, but then through that process, I kind of realized, like, oh, this is fun. This is living, you know? Like, in a sense, especially nowadays, a lot of guys get caught up in video games, and so it's just work. You come home, you play video games, and maybe you go to, like, a friend's house or something like that, but it's always revolving around drinking. There's never actually any life experiences that you get where you just go out and 
you know, go to Mesquamacit and just drive around and look at the houses or try out this coffee shop or this other, you know, coffee shop or just go to a bookstore. Like, if I want a book, I'll just, like, find it online and search it. You know, I won't actually go to a bookstore and just browse the books that are on the shelves, right? So it's mainly, you know, you were the main driving force of me actually going and having all those experiences. But through that, I actually learned that, yeah, I actually like this stuff. I like to go and experience these things. But you were the motivating factor. And then I'd say after that, yeah, a relationship when you were, when you, well, and, and that's that second bit where you, you know, the first two years, then you transitioned and said you were, you quit your job, which I was just like, that's crazy. Why would you quit? <laughs> you have a job, you're making money. Like, why would you quit your job? Like, it's, you always, you know, you got a position you work your way up the ladder and like maybe you could be in, I think it was at the time, like Claire's position or something. Like you could just be a boss somewhere in that. Like, why would you quit that? Like they trust you, you know, all that stuff, but you quit your job. You wanted to do yoga teacher training and then move to New York with no job. And, I'm, and you're just like, oh, well I'll get one. And I'm like, how are you just going to get one? Like, are you crazy? I'm like, well, I guess I'll be here. Like if she doesn't get a job, you could just move in with me. Like I was kind of already thinking that in my head. But you did, you know, you did the yoga teacher training. It was great. And then you come back and you get a job in New York City paying exactly what you wanted to get. And I'm just like, how did that work? How did that happen? Like, it seemed magic, but it was really, I mean, you made it happen, right? Like, you believed in yourself. You knew you had, like, you've been working your whole life and, like, building character. And, like, you know, you have a very professional, you know, like, tone of voice you're good at emails like you have all these skills that you've built over the years and like yeah you are able to then apply those and get a job that pays really well you know or that you want that you know pays you what you want and so for me I was looking at that and I'm like yeah I've never seen that before but it obviously works and so that was a big motivator for me to say yeah actually I don't really like my service in the Navy like I don't feel called here anymore but, like, without your, you and your experience that you showed me, like, there's no way I would have left the Navy. I think I would still be in the Navy today, and I would have probably, you know, just stayed in for the 20 years and retired. But you showed me, like, yeah, if you're not passionate about it, like, use the time you have to really, like, invest in yourself and do the things you want to do. And, like, ever since then, I never looked back, and we've still been growing together. You know, I'm here at this school that I really love and, you know, learning things that I really want to learn about and that I'm interested in. And it's like, that's what life is. It's about enjoying life that you have right in front of you and like really investing in yourself and enjoying, you know, the moment, but also prepping for the future and using the time you have. So for me, like, you know, that relationship, our relationship really helped me like, you know, make that final decision with like yeah I'm not gonna stick to the same old tried and true ways that I'm sure like your listeners and most of Americans and most people are like no this is how the world works you just get a job you work that job and you move up the ladder but yeah you kind of show me that that doesn't have to be how mm. it is so oh yeah I love that I don't think I don't think I knew that 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 me quitting my job and going to travel like I didn't know that that yeah, because I don't think you expressed that to me back then of like, oh my God, are you crazy? Are you quitting your job? Because I remember you always be, being very supportive of it and just like, 
And that also gave me more confidence to be able to do something like that because you were supportive of it. And in my previous patterns, I was kind of like, well, you know, it sucks that this relationship has to end because I'm going to be moving and, you know, what we're not going to be doing long distance, I'm sure. But I think when I brought that up to you, you were like, no, like we're, I mean, you're only going to be in New York, like we're going to make it work. And that, and I remember you telling me too, when I was like worried about, well, when I get back, like, I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know where I'm going to work. And like, I trusted that it would all work out because yeah, I just knew that it would. And like, I would just be able to find something, but I, but I think you telling me, well, hey, if you don't have anywhere to go, you can live with me. <laughs> and that gave me kind of more of a stable grounding or like a stable something to come back to that I was really lacking in my life and that like I was kind of actively running away from. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that, you know, like you were asking people and like your family seemed to be like, yeah, you're crazy. And like, I think, yeah, I was supportive because I felt like that's, you know, the man's role in a sense is to like support the woman. And like, as far as the relationship, like, yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people, like, especially a lot of men, especially like they're, you know, flaky, I guess would be the term, but it's like, yeah, they're not like committed from the start. But like, since I've been raised, I've always, you know, like because of my upbringing, I've always thought like, if you're dating someone, like then you're fully invested in them and like you spend your time on them and you don't like go and put your eggs in other baskets and like mess around and I was like we were having a good time and like I think I remember like talking to you about it but like the only reason why I had come back to Connecticut was for this one particular girl who I was like oh you know maybe I can start a relationship with her and in my mind I think there was like a sense of like I want to be serious with someone and like you know maybe just see what happens but not like get married because that was the furthest thing from my mind but have a relationship with someone, like, meet a girl, and I met you, and then, like, after a few weeks, I just remember, I'm like, no, like, I have to choose now, because, like, I'm either gonna invest in her, or her, and I'm like, no, yeah, like, I'm spending time with you, and at the time, the other girl had, like, ghosted me for a few, like, dates that we were gonna have, like, in the very beginning, when I had just met you, and I'm like, no, like, this girl's spending time with me, like, I'm gonna invest all my eggs here, and, like, this is where I'm going all in. And then, so, when it came to that two-year point where you're like, oh, I'm moving, like, no, there was no one else for me to, like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that's just it. It's like, no, we'll just keep trying and see if it works. If it doesn't, like, I'm definitely not of the mind that, like, it has to and I'm going to move to New York. Like, I think it would have just been, like, a, you know, okay, it doesn't work. We'll just split ways and, like, stay good friends and, like, who knows what can happen in the future or something like that. But I was like, no, I'm like, as far as really, I'm willing to at least try it and see what happens. And it turned out it worked out fine. I mean, granted, like COVID and all that stuff. But even before that, it was like, I was able to go to New York and spend time with you and stay in your apartment. And like, we were still making it work, you know, in, in the moment. And I thought that was good. I think it made us stronger for it. And it really tested us. And it turned out to be a good decision to, to stick with it. So. Yeah, wait, there. okay, that's so interesting because you bring up a couple things that maybe, I don't know if we have time to get into all of them, but I think, yeah, you had mentioned that you originally moved because you were living in, living in Hawaii as part of the Navy, but then you were kind of in a crossroads in your Navy career that you were choosing the next place you could live. 
and you were supposed to move to Italy. Wait, we got, will you tell that little story first of like, cause there is an interesting part there where when we first met, we, we still were like dealing with these things from our exes because you had this girl that you had dated in the past who lived in Connecticut. You kind of moved to Connecticut to maybe see if things like with kind of the hope that maybe you could reconnect Kindle or reconnect with her. And when I had met you, I had only, I had broken up with my boyfriend from college like three weeks before and we were still like talking and it wasn't a very like clean break, but that had only happened like three weeks before I met you. So I feel like there was a lot of, it's interesting that in our journey that like for the first like year, year and a half, there was still kind of like these other people that we had to fully let go of before we could fully step into being committed to each other. Not that you weren't committed, but I know for me, I had my issues with the ex where like he kept coming back and I didn't know how to just cut it off. And then I eventually did. But yeah, it's interesting that the India thing, like whenever I went to India, that marks like a clear chapter because all of that was happening up until I went to India, like where I was still talking to my ex and like that wasn't a good situation at all, but you were understanding of it and we worked through (laughs) whatever came up there. But then the other thing that you were saying was that I was going to respond to just that I do think it's so interesting that in our trajectory, like the way that we planned it was uh, right. We were going to be doing kind of long distance, which New York and Connecticut are not that long distance, but they're on the train. It's like three and a half hours away. And I remember when I was moved to New York, like I got a full-time job, but then I also was teaching yoga on the side and I was also teaching meditation on the side. So I was working seven days a week and was kind of starting this insane schedule where I was getting really worried about like, how am I going to have time to see Paxton? And like, how am I going to make time to go to Connecticut? Or like, I guess he'll always have to come here. And like, we were just starting to figure that out. But lo and behold, that I mean, I moved in the beginning of January and then by March I had moved back in with you because of the pandemic, which I think is just interesting. I always wonder like if the pandemic hadn't happened and I had stayed in New York and you had stayed in Connecticut, like I wonder if we would be in this position now. Yeah, I mean, that's a hard question to answer. Like who knows, right? But I mean, I would say so, but definitely it would look different. Like who knows? Yeah. But then as far as like our exes in the first two years, like, yeah, I think like I said, I had invested all my eggs in one basket in you, but like you said, like that doesn't mean that they did the same. Like, you know, your ex was messaging you randomly throughout that first like year and a half, two years. And then likewise, like, you know, this other girl of mine was messaging me randomly and I would have to shut it down. And like, sometimes you don't want to shut it down. Sometimes you just, you're like, oh, this, she's just a friend, you know, I'm just going to message her and be nice. And like, yeah, so there was periods where we would, you know, converse and like, then she would invite me to go somewhere and be like, I'd just make up an excuse rather than being like, no. And I think like later on in the relationship, like maybe at that year point, I was just like, no. Like I just like shut it down completely. It's like, no, we're not like, we're not going to do, go and hang out and like start hanging out as friends. Like I'm committed to this other girl. It's disrespectful to her. And it would be weird because she had invited you to come along at one point. She's like, oh yeah, you and your girlfriend can come and stuff like that. I'm just like no it's too weird like we're not gonna do that well yes wait two things I want to touch on because what's interesting is that you weren't telling me 
you weren't telling me that those interactions were happening. While at the same time, I wasn't telling you that the interactions with my ex was happening and there ended up being a trip where I met up with my ex and we had kissed. And I didn't end up telling you until much later, but you only found out because you had like seen some messages. And then I had never found out that you were messaging this other girl until later. And then like we talked about it. So maybe we can talk about like how we worked through that because I kind of forget that that's part of our story. And like, yeah, I kind of, because it's like, we've moved so much past that. But I, I think for other people that are like, I think people would be surprised to hear that. Like, yeah, I cheated on you basically in the first couple of years and you didn't cheat on me, but you were texting with your ex and not telling me about it. So, yeah, I think actually, yeah, it's interesting that this is coming up because I kind of always forget that that is part of our story because we're such different people now and we have built such a, a space of, I think, honesty and I always feel like you're honest with me. But even there was like some stuff coming up for me, which I think this is definitely me, but when you had moved to college and for people who don't know, like after Paxson got out of the Navy, what, two years ago? Yeah. yeah, two years ago, then you were going to college in Michigan. And at first I was not planning on coming with you, which now looking back on that, that seems also wild. Like, what was I going to do? <laughs> but I didn't want to move to where you were choosing to go to college. You really wanted to go to this specific school. And so I was like, well, like, I'm not going to move with you at first. But I had a lot of fears come up for me when you moved here. And I was like, Paxson's going to be meeting women and going to be around girls that are much younger than him and maybe have more aligned values than maybe we have. And that was my fear. And like, I had a lot of fears come up around like, if you cheated on me or anything like that. So yeah, maybe like, how did we move through that situation with both of our exes? And like, I guess, how do you because I think that could have been an opportunity in our relationship where we would have been like, No, we're done and would have separated but we didn't. So I guess, how did we move through that? How did we work through some of those issues? And yeah, what would you say to that? Well, I mean, I think it actually speaks a lot to our own personal character outside of our relationship to like, like that actually just began even like in the beginnings of our relationship where, yeah, we were two different people. We were very unique, you know, experiences and we were both experiencing the other almost for the first time. And there was many occasions where we could have written each other off just based on some of our opinions that we held. And like, like, especially in the political realm, it's like we could have easily just gone, but we, you know, we were able to stop in the conversation where it was, you know, maybe not necessarily in to agree, but to be like, yeah, whatever. But at the end, we always recognized the humanity of the other person, which led us to just, yeah, we recognize we were different, but we could move past it. But in the same way, we were able to recognize that, yeah, we're human and, like, there is this attractiveness. Like, you're going to have other people in your lives, like, in your life. Like, you're a unique person. I'm a unique person. We're going to have, you know, these situations that come up that are difficult to deal with on a personal level because, you know, you had known the guy since college and, like, I don't know the full history, but it's, like, it's a person in your life who you've shared experiences with. And, like, yeah, in the same sense, I did the same thing with this girl. Where I was like, yeah, she was a big part of my life for 
a period of time and I thought that we were going to be together and then the Navy just like sent me to Hawaii randomly like who knows what would have happened if I ended up staying in Connecticut like that's the only reason why I left right because you were dating I was dating her while I was here stationed in Connecticut the first time and then I got orders to go to Hawaii and then that's like what ended the relationship but it was nothing like with us and we tried to do long distance Hawaii to Connecticut and it was like you know she had she was just start like she had just gotten to college herself and so it was like this really weird situation where she's like yeah like you're super far away and i'm in college and so like i was able to recognize yeah you're a college student and we're super far away and like yeah we had this great experience but you know it's just gonna have to end where it is and like we stayed friends for whatever like we were pretty mature about it and then in the same way like we were very mature about how we handled those pressures because we had both had a person in our lives who was that we saw as important, you know, and that we were able to say, okay, that like you made a mistake and like, yeah, it was like, rather than just using it as an opportunity to quit and to give up on something that, you know, cause I feel like that's what a lot of people do. They just give up and quit rather than just discussing actually what's at the heart of it which is this for you this relationship with this guy and like a lot of like mixed emotions and like you thought it was a mistake like it wasn't like you know you thought that you had made a good decision and you were trying to play both of us it was like no you had recognized you made a mistake and that you were actually more invested in me and that you slipped up and it was like yeah I can forgive someone who's willing to do that and like you know I don't know if I would have done that three years before, but I definitely was willing to do that now. Like we had shared so many experiences. I felt very strongly about you. And I was like, yeah, no, like I think, and, and we were for the most part, very honest about everything. Yeah. You know, we weren't willing to lie about most things. It was just like this very particular thing. And I think also it was important. Like a lot of couples think that it's like the best thing to be open and honest about everything and like share everything and I think from the beginning I was like talking to you I'm like no like I think it's okay to have secrets because everyone's gonna have some secrets right but like tell the important stuff like you're gonna have your own secret life that like I don't need to know all of it I just Mm -hmm. need to know the important parts of it and it's like yeah you were struggling with this guy I don't expect you to come and tell me how you're struggling with this guy in the same sense I'm like I don't expect to have to tell you how I'm struggling with this girl, but I expect if something happens that you come forward and tell me. And even like when I had seen the messages and like, and I feel like you were acting weird too. And it just all ended up meeting. You were like quick to just be like, yeah, this happened rather than denying and denying and denying. And then be like, well now I can't like, even when faced with the truth, like she's lying to me, like I can no longer trust her at all. It was just like, you came clean pretty quick and was like, okay, let's deal with this. And like, we just spilled it all out. We dealt with it. It was like a weird two weeks, but we got through it and it wasn't, you know, the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I do remember you telling me about like, right. Cause I feel like people usually say, right. You don't want to have secrets from your spouse. And I, when, when I hear you say that, I'm almost like, yeah, I don't think you should have secrets from your spouse or like secrets from your partner. But I get what you're saying that, It's like, right, I was going through a process with this guy that I needed to go through 
for my own self, regardless of you. Like it had basically nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with me and what I was still processing from the end of that relationship. And like, and, and if I had maybe shared all of those thoughts and feelings with you from the get-go, maybe it would have made us closer, but maybe it wouldn't have. And maybe, and like, I did feel like I needed to go through that process for myself. But yeah, I don't know that. Would you say that now that like, you don't, like, should we have secrets or not have secrets? Well, I think everyone has secrets. It's right. like you battle with these inner struggles and, like, even just struggles from the external world that are putting pressures on you. And, like, yeah, I think it does help to talk to people about some of those. But it's not like, you know, by telling these, like, you do it for your own sake. You know, like, if you need that, then you should do it. But if you feel like you can handle it and you can deal with it on your yeah. own and you've been able to do it in the past and there's no reason to think you can't, then... I think it's perfectly fine for you to be like, I'm going to deal with this, you know, because we have to do that all the time in our lives. I think like, yeah, if you have a hard day at work, but you can, and you come home and like, I can recognize that maybe you've had a hard time at work as well, or with the, like, say we were married, we had kids. It's like, yeah, I don't need to hear about, you know, all the things that went wrong with your day. You just kind of have to put it on the side and deal with that on your own and then just confront what's in front of you and like improve the relationship and spend time with one another. It's like you don't have to share every little detail about your life. Right. You and pick it's the highlights. Right. And it's not always possible to share every little detail. But I do right. feel like we share most details. Like I feel like we're very open and connected in that way. Because also oh, also what's interesting I think with our relationship is that because of so, like, going back to we had the first two years of our relationship where we were just getting to know each other. We were very different people. You in the military, me in theater, which couldn't be more, like, opposite sides of the spectrum. A theater person and a military guy, which, yeah, so interesting. And then we had these things with our exes that we had to clean up. And then two years, I guess it was, like, yeah, I think it was a little less than two years after we had met that I decided to quit my job and go to Southeast Asia for a couple months. I went for like three, three and a half months. And then I remember when I got back, Then so then I got back from Southeast Asia, was planning to move to New York, moved to New York, then a couple months later the pandemic happened. And when the pandemic happened, I had an apartment in New York, you were still living in the same place in Connecticut, and at first I came to your house just to spend the two week quarantine with you because they were saying like, oh yeah, stay home for two weeks. We didn't know at that point how long it would be, but I moved to Connecticut and like we moved, which I think is also interesting. Like we moved in together, but we didn't, it wasn't like a conscious choice to move in together. It was more like the pandemic's happening. I could either stay alone in my new apartment in Brooklyn, which was not a very safe neighborhood and it felt really unsafe during the pandemic. And I was like, I'm just going to go to Connecticut for two weeks, you know, spend this time with Paxton. And then of course, two weeks literally turned into two years, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. But yeah, then we ended up living together in your apartment in Connecticut for two years before we moved to Michigan. So kind of backing up to that time, because I also remember that after I got back from my Southeast Asia trip, that that was when the first time we had like talked about marriage. And like, I think it was just the distance brought us closer, like the whole saying of distance makes the heart grow fonder. Like I remember we were kind of in this like love bubble 
after my trip where we had kind of talked about marriage. Do you remember that? Not really, no. I don't remember, like, after a trip talking about marriage. But, like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, when you got back, it was, like, a little love bubble. Like, I did feel like we were, we had stronger feelings for one another than before, definitely. Yeah, so, I don't know, it, like, solidified things. And I remember us talking about that, and I knew at that point that, like, we were committed to each other. That, like, even if I was in New York and you were in Connecticut, that we would be committed to each other. But, yeah, who knows how things would have turned out. So then... We're living in Connecticut together. It's the pandemic. And I guess what are some of those things that we learned about each other from first living together? And I also don't feel like we learned, like, it's hard when it's not your place. Like, because we didn't have a place together. It was your place and I was living in your place. But, yeah, what was that experience? Like, was it hard to live together at first? Or, like, what was that like for you? I mean, I would say it wasn't really hard. I definitely learned that, you know, you're a messy person. I mean, I learned that pretty quick. But I was like, yeah, I mean, that's just part. Like, I kind of knew, like, living together, there's going to be an adjustment period. But it really wasn't all that difficult because, you know, like, yeah, we, like, you worked at home and, like, you know, when I got home, it was, let's go out to this coffee shop or let's go here and, like, you can do your work remotely, so I we can just head out and go wherever we want. And so it was really just a chance for us to go around and experience Connecticut together while you worked remotely. And I had my job, you know, during the day. But there wasn't really anything that I learned that I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be really hard to get over. Yeah. Because you know, it was like, maybe you're dislike of dogs but I'm like (laughs) you know I'm like I don't really want a dog that bad that it's like that's gonna be a killer plus it's like you weren't part you didn't hate dogs you just weren't the biggest fan (laughs) yeah for reference Paxton lived with a roommate who was also in the navy and who had this dog named Charlie and the roommate was frequently gone on like what deployments like he was gone for months and months at a time so he would leave us with this dog And I was home alone all day with this dog, and I do not like dogs. And this dog was just looking for some love and affection, and I was the only human in the house. And so me and this dog were frenemies for a long, long time up until we moved. But I think what I was trying to say is that I do feel like we have been very privileged to be able to spend a lot of time together. Like, Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic, you were working still during the pandemic, going to work for the Navy, but you didn't have very long hours. Like, you would leave at, like, 7 and come home by, like, 11 or 12, and I was working at home. And then since then, I've been working from home ever since, and you go to school now, but, you know, go to class. Right. We were able to eat breakfast together, eat lunch together, eat dinner together, which I think is, like, a huge privilege because I know that that's not going to be the case Like, there's, I mean, maybe that could be the case for the rest of our lives, but likely not. But it kind of has been interesting that, like, throughout our relationship that we've been able to stay really physically close and connected. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we met when I had just gotten to shore duty in Connecticut, so I was no longer on the submarine. It's like shore duty is, like, supposed to be relaxing because you just spent five years on a metal tube out in the ocean, going on deployment after deployment, after, you know, the different workups, going out to sea, like, for a few weeks, and then back in port for a few days, and, like, the maximum you have is, like, two weeks, so it's, like, a really busy schedule, 
but then when you get to shorty that's like the payoff you know and you can you just like work in an office or in a shop and you just help out you know the subs getting the different materials they need to go out on deployments and it's much more relaxed than actually working on a boat so yeah from the very beginning when i first moved here when we met i had you know way more time than what i would have had on the sub life and like that was another you know motivator for me to leave the navy was like yeah i want to spend time with you but and if we have a family like then yeah i'm gonna want to have time with that family too and like submarine life when you actually are on the boat you don't have that time and so it was a big privilege for us to be able to spend that time together and then yeah when i left the navy when i decided to leave and go to college like you said, I'm here every day. You know, we eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Depending on my class schedule, sometimes, you know, we can we have to miss a lunch together or a breakfast together, depending on the hours. But at least we have every weekend and, you know, at least two meals of a day. It's like, yeah, most people, that's not the case. Right. So it is this really weird situation where we have been very privileged. And that's probably been a huge, you know, help for us to be able to, like, have constant access to one another and like really grow together in a more connected way versus in a more versus the more necessitous way where it's like yeah I'm just working these shifts you're working these shifts we see each other for an hour or two and like we spend the weekends together it's like that's a majority of people's lives you know and it's like also not everyone has you know a great paying job either and I feel like we both had fairly well paying jobs that were able to provide for both of us and we never had to worry about like oh who's buying you know lunch today or like we never really worried about the money aspect like or you know had to alternate who's buying what it was just like yeah like I'll pay for it this time and sometimes you would pay for the meal or whatever but yeah and that well yeah I I think it's so beautiful that we've been given that time and space to really build like this solid foundation for our relationship and then I do know, like, right, that will, like, our circumstances throughout our life together are going to change. And so, it, yeah, I wonder what that will be like if, like, you're at work all day and I'm home with kids and, like, how will then we navigate that? But it's, like, given our past and the way that we've navigated difficult situations in the past, I know that we'll just navigate it together how we'll navigate it. It's, like, we'll have to adjust. We'll have to give and take. That's what being in a relationship is about. Yeah, and so I wanted to, I guess there was a couple questions that I wanted to ask. <laughs> One yeah. is, I guess, when did you, so we had talked about like, yeah, after I came home from Southeast Asia, I think that, I mean, from my perspective, that's when we first started to talk about marriage. But I guess when for you was like, when you are like, okay, I'm going to propose or I'm going to marry this person. Like, what was that like for you? I mean, yeah, like, you know, prior to meeting you, like, I had seen plenty of bad marriages in the Navy, and, like, anyone, I mean, you go anywhere in our culture today, and everyone just trashes marriage, or has been divorced, and it's a nasty divorce, and especially in the Navy, you have lots of guys who just complain about it all the time, and so for me, it was, like, never getting married, like, you know, that was my young mind just saying, like, I'm never going to do it. Like, I don't care anything about it, whatever. And like, Wait, and how to... old were you when you had those thoughts? Like That was probably when I was, like, 21 to 22, all the way up until 25. Like, I'd seen enough people complaining about it where they had just, I was just like, 
And before that, I just never had thought about it. But then I'm seeing it, I'm like, no, I just don't want any part of marriage, really. But if I do end up getting married, then I'm going to have a prenup. I'm going to make sure that, like, there's no way that the woman can take my money. And, like, the child, if we have kids, like, you know, I'll pay for the kids. But, like, I'm going to try and get a good lawyer. Like, it was just all these things to protect myself, you know, and my money and, you know, what I've worked hard for. But, you know... I would say that started to change, you know, even before your trip, you know, having met you, I was like, oh, wow, yeah, like, I could see a future with this, with this woman, and then I'd say after the trip, it kind of solidified when you, I would say moved in, and, like, we were actually living together, I was seeing how you lived, and, you know, yeah, it was messy, but (laughs) it was like, yeah, I could deal with this, and I was like, okay, I could, like, I could see having a place and we would sometimes talk about like having a place together and oh we can't wait to just have our own place and I was like yeah that would be really nice and like I started thinking about kids and then and I would even say like meeting your family too and like being part of like like it was really weird because we had met and like that first Christmas that we had met like we'd only known each other like you know six months and where I'm gonna go to your family's house in New Jersey to have Christmas, which was, like, weird, but, like, I didn't really think it was weird in the time. I was just like, yeah, I want to go and, like, have a good Christmas. (laughs) It'll be fun, you know? So, like, all those things together was just really, like, made me, like, oh, wow, like, I want to have a family. She's an amazing woman with all these great qualities. I can see me having a family with her, and I started to think even less about just, like, my own material, like, oh, what am I doing material? Because at the time I was starting to read more books about, like, you know, what is life? What is our purpose here? And it really started getting me on the idea of what, like, getting me down the path of, like, what am I doing? Why would I just, like, work 20 years in this job I hate to just, like, you know, get a retirement that isn't necessarily guaranteed? It's like, why don't I do something I love and enjoy and, like, really further what my purpose is and better myself, you know? And I think throughout all, like all those things combined really led me to be like, okay, yeah, marriage is actually like, that's the way to live life. You get married to the woman you love and like have a family and like, that's the way I want to live my life. And I'd say that really solidified probably like when you were living, cause we were able to share those experiences and we were talking about it. So for me, like marriage was like, okay, that it's, most like I can I just need to get the ring and propose and then that took me like another (laughs) two years to like get the ring and then come up with a very mediocre proposal (laughs) (laughs) yeah I told this story on my engagement episode but I was saying that I was getting frustrated because I felt like you were going to propose soon, but then, like, every opportunity was, like, is he going to propose? And then you wouldn't. And then you were carrying around the ring box with you for, like, a week. And I was like, wait, does he think he's just going to, like, like, has he not planned this out at all? Like, is he just going to pop the question while we're walking down the street? Like, which you can explain from your perspective what you were waiting for, what your thought process was there. Well, I mean, it's, like, the same thing, you know, that I was waiting for to do this podcast. (laughs) I don't know, like, <laughs> just didn't really think about it, I didn't make a real purpose, you know, a purposeful attempt to, like, really figure things out, and I think, like, procrastination, probably the biggest part of that, which is, like, that piece of, like, yeah, I have to work on myself, and, like, 
you know, it's taken a while to get to the point where I have, like, I've been able to prioritize things in my life that are worth prioritizing that I think are important and value highly. And yeah, so I'd say that's probably the biggest reason why it took me so long to, to propose is just, yeah, like I wanted to marry you. I loved you, but you know, he's like, oh, I got to find the ring. I guess I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. Or maybe next month's the right time, you know? But it's like, no, you just have to stop overthinking it and just do it, you know? Start actually researching rings and all that. And, like, I think there was a few times I'd looked at Kay's jewelers and just been like... Kay's jewelers. Yeah, and just, like, look through some of their rings online. Not even going to the store. Just, like, looking online. Like, oh, that looks nice. And then kind of being overwhelmed with all the different ring options. And I'm just like, I don't know what to get her. And then I'd like maybe tried to slyly ask you what kind of ring you wanted. And then like. Did you ask me? I don't remember you asking me. Yeah. I mean, I think there had been times like, oh, "Oh, yeah. Like what kind of ring, you know. Right. Which I didn't know. I I mean, and I didn't know either. It's like, I don't know, a pretty one. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Apparently, there's a lot of things with engagement rings that you have to learn. But then we ended up going to that place in Florida together. And then you ended up getting my ring there. Yeah. 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 I I guess I want to ask, like... Well, okay, so now it's like, right, so we've had this whole journey, and now in two weeks we're getting married. Do you think that anything will change once we're married? I mean, yeah, I think so. I think, like, I mean, and from what the people that I listen to in their podcasts, they say, absolutely. I think there's a huge shift, and, and like, a lot of people talk about it, too, where they say, like, it just is different. It's hard to describe. It's almost like trying to describe the love that you feel for someone. Like, there isn't really words to do it justice. Like, there's just no way to possibly describe it. But when you get married, you know, I've heard that, like, there is, like, just a shift in seriousness. There's a much serious tone, much more serious tone. And, you know, I don't know. I guess that's true. A lot of people talk about it, but, like, I don't know what that will feel like. But I can imagine that, yeah, it's like there is a much more serious, like you have a much more serious feeling about the relationship whenever, you know, you're both wearing this ring that's been blessed and like you've just had this holy, you know, marriage in front of God, family and friends. And, you know, it's contractual. Like you can't just be like, oh, okay, like tomorrow, like maybe you cheat on me and I'm upset and, like, I, that's just it. It's like, no, you have to go through a process to get divorced. Like, it's not just as simple as walking away, you know? And, I mean, granted, it's getting simpler and simpler in our society. But I think that just, that makes it a lot more serious to people than, and they feel more trapped whenever there's legal obligations. And you can't just pack up and leave. Trapped? But I don't think you want to feel trapped. Right. And But I'm saying, like, that's why a lot of people, when they do get in marriage, like, they can easily feel trapped because they're, like, they can overwhelm right. themselves with, like, well, like, what if this person changes? And, like, right. you know. And you're not this free person anymore. That's what's even more weird. It's, like, then you actually, I feel like maybe we'll get this feeling that it's, like, we are actually joined together, like, officially in one flesh. Like, yeah, we're, like, I can never imagine leaving you. Like, you're my person forever and always, like, till death do us part right now. And, like, it's even going to be more so, you know, after the marriage. There's just a significance that we can't understand, but that we'll feel. And that generations before us have undergone. And, like, you know, it's, 
it's a holy institution. It's just something that we'll have to experience when it happens. But I think there will be a shift and like, you know, and I think at first it'll just be like a fun shift, but then it'll start to be like, oh yeah, like, no, I'm married. Like there's a certain level of responsibility that comes with that marriage. And there's a certain level of, you know, I guess like commitment, not just to like do the things that you have to do, but to do the things that you need to do to better yourself. And like, I think that's, that's what marriage is really for is to better both people and then to also bring up this new generation and to give them a good example of what love is and what marriage can be and to encourage them to do the same because I mean I think it's going to be a, a massive positive for us but for some people who maybe aren't haven't considered the gravity of marriage it could be a boon to them and like it could be tough on them if they haven't thought about that and the seriousness of it right yeah I think from the very beginning like we've both been very serious about it and we've we've also been very committed to each other We've lived together for the last three years. Like, in my mind, I'm like, we're already as married as married can be. So it, to, to me, it feels like, oh, yeah, the, the actual marriage itself. But in, like, it's, you know, nothing's much going to change. But in many ways, that's just the beginning. And it's like, I guess there's this feeling within me of like, oh, right, we've been together for five years. Like, now we're getting married. But in many ways, it is just the beginning of our story. Something I wanted to ask you about, because on this podcast, I talk a lot. I mean, as you know, maybe you don't know. I don't think you listen to the podcast, <laughs> but I tell you about the podcast. But we talk about spirituality a lot and the intersection of creativity and spirituality. And since I've known you, you've gone through a massive transformation with your own spirituality. And so would you be open to talking about, yeah, what your journey for the past couple of years has been like with spirituality? How do you view or define your spirituality and like, what are you seeking or going towards in your own spirit? And like, what does spirituality mean to you? What is your spiritual practice? Well, I think spirituality at its core is just like figuring out your own purpose and like what you're doing here on this earth and like why things are the way they are. It's like what has really encouraged me to come to this school. What's at the heart of liberal arts is that question. It's not a question of, you know, what job do I want, or, like, these more, like, material circumstances. It's a spiritual question. It's, like, something above ourselves and, like, even what we can comprehend. And we can only really explain through metaphorical stories and myths and things. And it's, like, really, just really interesting. And I'd say, like, really, like, I grew up in a Baptist family, but not super Baptist, not super religious in that sense, but they're Baptist. Like, did you go to church every Sunday? there was a period of time when I was younger when I lived in Arkansas my mom would take me to church and like I would do the Sunday school and stuff like that and so that's really like my ancestral religion is like those like that's where I come from is like a Christian faith and religion and through Baptist denomination but you know I think going through school and like I guess when I turned like when we moved to Florida was the shift which I was probably I was in the middle of seventh grade, so I don't know how old I was exactly, but that's when the shift kind of went from, okay, you know, and I was young, like I didn't really understand the Christian faith all that well. I remember some of the stories and watching like Veggie Tales and stuff like that, but I didn't really grasp anything. And then when I moved, we just stopped going to church completely, and you know, there was a, from that point until 
probably when I was like 24. I didn't care about religion. And the only things I heard were like what the culture says about religion and like the Christian faith especially, where it's like, yeah, it's just another myth, another story that people tell. And like, you know, it's, it's a fairy tale. Like life is what's in front of you. Like that's what life is. It's the material world that you interact with every day and like science is better and better explaining and the world that we live in and that science has disproved God in all these different ways. And then, but then I'm like, there's still, you know, tons of people who believe in God or some form of it. And like every culture and society has had like this supernatural power and being that's like above us humans, right? And so, like, you know, and that didn't occur to me until I was, like, you know, 25, like, towards the end of my naval, like, naval time in Hawaii before I transferred, and I started reading some books. I think the first book I read was, like, Brene Brown, and it was just, like, a self-help book or whatever, but it really started getting me thinking about, like, through self-improvement, it made me think, like, yeah, why would I improve myself, like, why wouldn't I just live my life how I want to live it? What's the point of improving myself? And, like, you know, if... And that really just led me to God. And, like, okay, so if there is this way... Or if there is this reason to improve myself because there's an order to the universe and, you know, there's a way to live according to how God created you, like, you know, God created everything, then they all have their purpose. What's my purpose? And then that really just led me to, like, okay, I can't, like, I, I have nothing to, like, I'm not going to just start reading all of these books and just, like, taking all of them on an equal playing field. And, like, I mean, you're talking years upon years of, like, reading that, like, you would just come to the, the there would be nowhere to really start or begin with all these different myths and things. So the only thing you can fall back on is tradition. And, like, my traditional faith is Christianity. And so I'm like, okay, like, I'm going to start learning about God from the Christian perspective, which is, like, starts in the Old Testament. It's the more Jewish perspective. And then that leads to, you know, Jesus, like, fulfilling the Jewish, fulfilling the Old Testament. He's the ultimate fulfillment, whereas Jews think that he's not and that the Messiah still hasn't came. But it was like, okay. And then you read, and I remember, like, after kind of reading those things, I started I like was like okay well Islam is another big religion and they're talking uh, there's like I don't know exactly but it's like the same it's from the same story of like the Old Testament so it's like a, a branch of the Old Testament whereas Jesus is the Messiah and I think for them it's like Muhammad or someone I, I don't know exactly but I think that's right and it's like but at the core of all three of them they believe in one God like one creator and then you read you know as you start to read like older you know ancients like the greeks and the romans you're like all these people had an idea that the whole the universe has order and the only way you get order is if you have one person ordering it that's the only way that you can create this perfect order that isn't contradictory and it's like yeah that makes sense so that got me thinking, like, yeah, monotheistic religion has to be, you know, the right religion, and my ancestry is Christian, and so, and the way they portray is that, yeah, Jesus did actually come, 
you know, in that time. And like you read the story of Jesus and it's like, it, it is, it rings true today the same way it rang true then. And probably even before history where it's like, if you live according to the world, the world hates you. The world hates truth in the same way that they hated Jesus. And it's like, it's a very powerful tale where it's like, yeah, you just go and tell someone during the pandemic that you're unvaccinated and you see the way they talk to you. They see the way, see the way they treat you. And it's like, that's the same thing that Jesus did during that time as he came forward, he said things that were contrary to what other people believed and they crucified him for it. They treated a man that didn't commit any crimes other than speaking out and saying what was true. They crucified him for it. And it's like, that's a powerful story. And I see it today, you know, all around us where it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, where it's like, if you speak the truth, you are also going to be crucified for it because darkness hates light. And so I really resonate to that message. And that's what, I mean, it's a re really long winded way of getting to Christianity, like of explaining how I got there. And that only covers like 5% of it. You know, I could go on about and. and <laughs> way more detail but that's the best summarization I can get to right yeah it, it well it's interesting because I think something that I've struggled with with us is that I felt like we were like we we do have different spiritual faiths or spiritual practices I think we have similar core values but like for me I did I I didn't grow up religious I grew up I'm Jewish, half Jewish. Well, no, full Jewish. My mom's Jewish. But, like, whatever. We went to synagogue a couple times. Like, we didn't really grow up religiously Jewish. And then I got very much into spirituality, which is more of, like, the new age spirituality, which is yoga, meditation, different things like that, which all of those practices, to me, are, like, connecting you to yourself and connecting to you, you to your highest self, which sometimes takes... I think that sometimes people on the new age path can go down a wrong, pa wrong path because you can sometimes take God out of it and like then just base it on yourself when I do believe there is a higher power that created this world. And yeah, but I feel like sometimes like I struggle with like the fact of like, oh, if Paxton's a Christian and I'm not a Christian, what will that mean for our marriage, for our partnership? And so... Yeah, I guess what would you say to that if like <laughs> if we're on these totally different paths, which we've talked about and I don't I always feel like we're on a different path and then we talk about it and then I'm like, oh, no, 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 we're we're on a very similar path, actually. But yeah, like how would you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's a hard question because, yeah, I mean, you're talking about the fundamental, you know, issue of life is like what do you actually believe what's at the foundation of the way you behave in society but i think yeah like in some ways the christian perspective is gonna make me see the world a little bit different from the way you see it because of your what you believe and what you know and i think that eventually you'll become a christian but <laughs> but that's I'm not, not the on that but yeah cause that's because that's not I the answer that might not actually happen right right and but i think that there is the idea though that yeah, you do believe in a higher power. You do believe that life isn't just about yourself. So there's all these values and like the way you see the world and, you know, your spirituality 
versus my religion that I'm, you know, newly a part of and only growing, you know, stronger in, but that there's still values that we share. It's not as if, like, if you were an atheist, I would say there's not a chance, right? Like, there's no way for me to get married to an atheist because you believe God just doesn't exist. You don't think... If I just decided I was an atheist, you don't think it would work between us? Well, you wouldn't decide you're an atheist because (laughs) if you were an atheist, then you would see the world totally different. You would behave totally different. And that's not who I fell in love with. That's not who I married. And that's... How do you... You can't really go... Unless there's some crazy event that happens in your life, you can't go from like, oh yeah, there's God to, oh, there is no God, right? right? Unless you're a kid growing up in the faith... And then you just see bad Christians or bad people that are part of that faith. And you're like, well, that's obviously like, because these people don't believe it. And so I'm not going to believe it either. God doesn't exist. I'm an atheist. But then that's going to affect how you live. And, you know, you obviously don't live like that. You're not an atheist. I, but I would say that would be the one thing that I'd be like, okay, yeah, this won't work because you're an atheist. Because you're going to live totally different and contrary to how I live. But that's not the case because there are these values in what you believe and what I believe. And I remember I listened to a podcast like probably a month ago and they talked about, you know, there's there's this Catholic priest who is talking to another Catholic priest or like teaching Catholic priests like in like, I don't know what you would call it, I guess in a monastery or something. And because it was like way back and he essentially said like, yeah, look, if you, you know, end up leaving Christianity, then go become a pagan. And it was like a really weird thing to say to someone to be like, why would you want them to become a pagan? Well, it's because they have a, a belief in higher powers and there's a lot of similar values that they hold, that pagans hold, with Christians. I mean, totally different religions, obviously. One believes in many gods. One believes in one god. But they still believe in God and in the value of the family and not just like, it's all about you. There is a higher power, a higher order, and you are trying to figure out that order. And you're not in control, totally. So it's an, at least an admission that, yeah, we like the things we see around us aren't all that life is, you know? It's like, there's all these coincidences that happen in our lives that like an atheist would say are just pure chance, and there's nothing magical about it. There's not an external hand that's you know, moving and manipulating the world. There are no external forces. It's all just molecules and atoms just reacting to one another. And that's what we are. We're just reactions of molecules and stuff. And it's like, no, I've experienced way too many things in my life to believe that. And they would say that's superstitious, but I think all of humanity has been superstitious. And it's for a reason, because things happen in our lives that we can't explain and that are not as random as what, the scientists would explain them as. No, totally. Well, and I remember, like, earlier on into our relationship, I would tell you about, like, all the signs and the synchronicities that I would see be seeing. And you would be, kind of be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Which, but then, and then you had some of your own very real experiences, and you saw that the way that it was working out in my life. It was like, right, you couldn't deny it. But, yeah, it's interesting, like, hearing you talk about it now, because I'm like, that's not how you were always talking. Right. And, right, it is, like, more aligned with what I believe, too, of, like, right, there, nothing is by coincidence. Everything is, there is some kind of higher power orchestrating all of this, and there is so much 
that goes beyond the physical world that we can't see. There's like this whole realm of the unseen world and that we're interacting with on the daily. Actually, this is random, but I was just thinking about, I was like, what happens if like when we die that like, will I finally understand all of these occurrences that like I currently don't understand? Like, will I be able to have a review of my life and like be like, oh yeah, that weird feeling that I had that one time, maybe that was like a ghost talking to me or like, I just kind of had this random thought. I was like, what if, like, will I suddenly, will suddenly everything make perfect sense? I hope so, but maybe not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think we're going to remember <laughs> all of the events of our past, you know. It'll just be, like, a realization that there is more and that it's yeah. confirmed, you know. And, like, there might be judgment. Like, who right. knows, right? Yeah, and I, well, talking about the spirituality and the religion is interesting because I think it's like this 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 internal struggle that I've had with us where I will, th again, like I've said, like I will think that we are on like opposite sides of the spectrum, especially politically and like coming from, which like this has been something that I've even had fear of talking about because in today's day and age, like interacting with someone on the other political side feels like a huge no-no <laughs> and it feels like we can't talk to people who have different ideas than us let alone marry them so like I've always had this like this fear which again just speaks to something inside me of like you know people finding out like what Paxson believes and then having a different view of me but it's like or like just us having us not agreeing on some things politically I mean maybe a lot politically and also with the idea that you are very involved in the political spectrum and you want to get in you want to follow politics as your career which I support you in your career and I have not I don't want anything to do with politics and this was something that I really struggled with in like 2020 when just everything was so hot in the world and in like the culture of things but I'm at a much better place with it now and I I think it and I think we talked about this a bit in the beginning, but just the fact that we have been able to recognize each other's humanity and we have been able to discuss different topics. And even if we don't necessarily agree on them at the same time, like, you know, we might we might still think differently, but it's OK. And it's like it's OK that we, we view some issues differently. Like, is it impacting our daily life? No. Is it going to impact our future together I mean only time will tell <laughs> but I think that's actually something really beautiful that our relationship has been able to do that it's like we come from these different backgrounds we do have some different political beliefs we do have some different religion or spiritual beliefs and yet we are st still able to maintain this relationship that we have which is very beautiful and very intimate and very connected and very understanding and supportive of one another and I think that's like truly something the world needs more of and being able to like talk to people across the aisle because I think there's I mean I can think of friends that I have that like would never even consider dating someone on a different side of political spectrum because of maybe what the culture has told them or for you know their own prejudices and like I mentioned in the beginning I had my own prejudices and judgments where I was like I would never date a man in the military like blah 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 and it's just proven I guess life and our relationship has really shown me that I can't 
ever make assumptions about another person because as soon as I'm making assumptions about someone, I'm taking away their humanity because I'm not actually willing to stop and to listen to what they have to say and stop and listen to where they're coming from and understand why they think the way that they do. And that I am not, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't know. There's a lot of things that you don't know. There's just a lot of things that are out of our control and also in our control. And and I guess what, what I'm trying to say is that just like, yeah, that this has been a source of inner struggle for me that has only been magnified by the current culture that we live in and that I people don't really talk about. And it's taught me so much personally just to be able to like, yeah, show up, listen, learn, understand. And yeah, that's, that's what I have to say about that. Do you have anything to add? I mean, yeah, I would agree with everything that you're saying. I mean, our culture definitely does not appreciate political difference and like it is a rational fear that that will affect your life and i would say if you were super into politics and i was super into politics then yeah maybe it would be different but you aren't super into politics and like me i'm super into politics but i'm also like there is a higher good outside of politics for me where for me it's like god and like wrecking that core the core that really lays at the end of politics because like before politics is religion, it is how you view the world is going to shape your political views and like, you know, the way you want to live amongst your fellow human beings, right? Because that's all politics is. It's like, how do you want to form communities and what are the laws that are going to be governing and how are laws made? And that's really what politics is. It's like, how do you get all these different people who are going to be, you know, you know, they're going to have various personalities. They're going to grow up different. How do you get them all together in a community, living without killing one another, essentially. Right. And just taking control and power. And, like, you know, I think this country is beautiful because you have people who came to this country who had serious religious persecution. And they weren't all just, like, hard... Like, there's obviously hardcore Christians, but it was, like, a lot of the founders were just deists. Like, they just believed in a higher power, in God, but not necessarily the Bible and Jesus and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I think for, you know, political differences, or, sorry, for, like, the Constitution, like, it's a very important document, and politics is important in order to shape our, our country, and, you know, yeah, we differ in the way we see that, but at the core of it, it's that religious, that, you know, spiritual element of, like, yeah, we're made, you know, by God, we're part of creation, and we're all just really trying to live together, and, like, you know, here, like, when you just set politics aside, like, you're gonna meet someone and you're gonna share things in common, like, as far as, like, activities that you like or, you know, different foods you may like or, you know, any number of things you're gonna share with them. But to, in today's culture, they want to tell you, like, oh, yeah, you know, you may share these things, but then the way they talk about the other side is, like, they are evil, Nazi, racist and like they just put these depictions and these images in your heads that are like inhuman right and they dehumanize the other side and then in the same way you just think of like oh the liberal is like the stupid libtard you know <laughs> person who 
is an airhead who doesn't know anything, but it's like, yeah, like, there's probably, you know, parts of maybe some of these characterizations that fit, but, like, on a minimum scale, right? And then it's like, the truth of it is, is there's a reason why there's these things stick, and you have to get to the heart of that, which is, like, we don't talk to one another anymore. Like, we don't, like, you know, if you're in a more, you know, liberal circle, like, you're not going to go and meet a conservative. And if you're in a conservative circle, you're not going to go out and meet liberals. There's no mixing. And, you know, a lot of that is our culture saying, like, one particular view is just awful and hate, you know, it's pure hatred and evil and it shouldn't ever be presented. And if it is, this person's terrible. And to just write them off right off the start, which it's like, you didn't do that, luckily. But we started and it was rough, you know? Yeah. Like, you definitely had a very passionate view about the, the opinions that I had and you would mischaracterize me and I would just be like, no, that's not the case. And like, it would go badly. You would be upset. Right. And then we'd go back to living our life and enjoying our experiences together and reading our books and then talking just about how we're growing and like really just like loving the growth that we're having. And then, you know, a political issue would come up and then we'd talk about it again and disagree. But we would always recenter back on that, like, yeah, like, we're human and we're trying to grow and do the best we can and find God. And at the end of the day, none of this matters because we're going to go somewhere else. Right. And anything we gain here on earth will be lost. And so the only thing that we can keep is our souls. And to improve that, we have to come in communion with one another and be willing to discuss things that are hard because it's like, yeah, I thought that, you know, a lot of your views, like it's easy for me even to be like, yeah, you know, the liberal point of view is like stupid. None of it makes sense. But then the more you actually like start looking into it and like they're talking to you and then like just, you know, actually doing some research into these things, you're like, well, they have a, a point of view that is correct. Like I used to be very like capitalism's the way like, pure capitalism, if you got, like, you know, it's your own fault if you're poor, you need to work harder, but there are a lot of liberal perspectives where it's, like, it's not, we're not living as, like, individual islands all disconnected from one another, all trying to heap up treasures on our island, like, we're all connected, and, like, things affect one another, and so it's, like, you want to lift up the poor in society, you want to give people who maybe don't have opportunities opportunities, and so there is, like, a good aspect to that, that you're, like, yeah, that makes sense. That's reasonable. And now you can't get to that conclusion if you stay in your circle. Totally. Right? So I think it's important, not just for our relationship, but for everyone yeah. to just not give up on one another, to keep pushing and to be like, hey, this person is crazy. And like, yeah, you can think that, but then like there will come a period in your life if you stick it out when you're like, actually, some of these things they say make sense, you know? Yeah. I think it's important. <laughs> Yeah, it makes me emotional because I think that's something, yeah, that's been the theme of, like, us. Just, like, we haven't given up on each other. We haven't quit. And, yeah, I guess, like, okay, now we're going to get married in two weeks. It's, like, okay, like, that kind of mentality. And, like, obviously there has to have been, like, a lot of love and connection and, and, and all of the beautiful things that we are together and individually like the person that you are and the person that I am it's like 
all of that has led to like five years of this period of growth and of building this foundation and of learning about each other and learning our different styles of like personality and communication styles and like, you know, navigating all of the crazy shit that we've had to navigate from like, sure, going through a global pandemic together, but also losing jobs, losing homes, you going through this big career transition, leaving the Navy after nine years and choosing to go to college as a 28-year-old, going to college with 18-year-old, me deciding after a period of not deciding that I wasn't going to move to Michigan with you in this tiny area, but then me moving to Michigan with you and us having our first apartment together and us living in this apartment together for the first year and a half and living in this town where is felt like there was nothing for me and I was like why am I living here other than for you and now it's like yeah now in two weeks we're gonna get married and all of our you know friends and family are gonna come to Michigan of all places and it's like yeah it's just beautiful yeah I agree and it's like it just speaks to like you know you don't like that's like it doesn't matter where you live it doesn't matter you know what your material circumstances it doesn't matter your political views like you know they all play a part but the main thing is that yeah like your fellow human beings are the most important and for men and women like we need each other we need and like every woman craves a man and every man craves a woman to meet, and it's like, yeah. Not like, every man and woman, but most sure, men and women. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you know, we were made for one another, yeah. and, like, we contrast one another, and it's like, you know, like, I wouldn't have understood that six years ago before I met you. It was like, no, I wouldn't have understood that I, like, I needed a woman in my life to help give me purpose, because it was like, yeah. you know a lot of like what Jordan Peterson talks about where it's like, yeah, you look at yourself and you don't consider yourself worthy to actually take the time to improve. But when you're with someone, you recognize that, oh, like, yeah, you recognize there's a lot to improve in yourself because you can't change the other person, right? Right. And so you can only change yourself. And so you need to do work on yourself and you want to make them proud. You know, it's like, you know, when you're born into a family, you want to make your mom and dad proud of you. But in the same sense, you want to make your wife proud of you. You want your children to be proud of you. And so what do you do? You have to better yourself. Yeah. And so I think, you know, like it's an experience that everyone needs to have. They need to have someone in their lives where they can share and, you know, converse about important things in life. And it's like, it's easy to write people off and be like, and to treat people also just like they're, you know, a commodity and where it's like, I want the perfect guy that has this eye color, that's this tall, <laughs> that believes these things, and it's like a shopping list, right. but it's like, no, just go live your life, and try to enjoy the people around you, like, whoever they are, and, like, you just never know where those relationships will take you, and the opportunities they may open up, as far as, like, you know, your work, but also just, like, as far as, like, your potential partner in the future, you just never know how you, like... We met in a bar, never expecting anything to happen, but we took one another serious following that. Yeah. And, like, we just kept going. And it's, like, it's hard to explain how it happened. And it's, like, there's all these things that led up to that that, like, we don't understand. There's all these things that happened during that, like, we can notice and take note of. But, like, we'd have no idea how it would have played out if it was different. 
and why things were the way they were. And, like, it's just, life is crazy. I mean, yeah. I think that's at the heart of it. It's like, would I have said that I would be marrying, you know, a woman like you, <laughs> like, five years ago? No, but it's like... <laughs> You're an amazing woman. Like, you've taught me a lot. You know, I wouldn't be here without you today. So it's like, yeah, I'm very appreciative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there were some things in there that I wanted to respond to, but I don't even know if I need to really respond to them. Because I was first thinking, like, yeah, I see a lot of my... I see that happening a lot in the culture now of, like, you know, people looking for their perfect match and it's, they've got to have this, this, and this. But the truth, it's, and it's like it comes from that, that dating culture of, you know, online dating and you just, you know, then you have so many options in front of you that if this person's not perfect, move on to the next. But it's like, right, when you come back to reality and come back to humanity, it's like this is how humans interact. And, yeah, so I was kind of thinking of that. But then... I want, I think we should maybe wrap this conversation up, but I want, so I wanted to ask you a few, like, let's say rapid fire questions as we wrap up this conversation. Okay. So firstly, what are you most looking forward to for the wedding? Probably the vows I'm looking, I'm most looking forward to. And then I would say... I guess the first dance. Really? So the vows and the first dance. I'm ready to do those things. I mean, because I take the vows very serious. Like, right. I think that there is a God and that marriage is the institution created for him and to better us, but also to show us the love that we have and the bond that we have is the same bond that God has for his people. And so it's like, you know, the love that we share is also the love that God has for us. And it's unconditional it's like you're part of the family now in the same way that God never forgets us, you know. And it's like I take it very serious and I take, like, I think that love is the, like, greatest gift on earth. Like, that's how Jesus defeated sin and that's how we're going to, you know, make it through this life. Because life is full of tragedy and terrible things. And, like, you know, love is the most beautiful and precious thing. And, like, how do you preserve that? It's like it's hard because you know there are all these temptations in our world today and like people who whisper you know terrible things in your ear and give you doubt and it's like you can't listen to that you have to take a serious vow before god and like be reminded that's the ring you know it's a that constant reminder while it's on you you don't want to taint it with anything that could potentially be you know bad and put your your love and your marriage in jeopardy and it's you know it's needed in life to create a family that has, you know, good values and is on the right track. So. Well, oh yeah, that makes me think of one thing that I think this is coming up because this is like a slight fear slash worry of mine. But like, like even when we started this, I'm like, yeah, the people we were five years ago are not the people that we were today. So I have this. So like when I think about we're getting married in two weeks, the person that we are now but 20 years down the road or even five years down the road, it's like we might not be those same people. So, and so my question is, is like, right, you hope that you just continue growing with the person, but what happens if one person 
isn't growing or you're growing in different directions or you change your views or values or beliefs, but you're already in this marriage that you've committed to for a lifetime. So like, how would you respond to that? Because I think that is this underlying fear that I have of like, well, I know the person I am now, but I don't know the person that I'll be in five years or 10 years or 20 years or 50 years. Like, I don't know what that person will want or even believe. And how can I trust that you're still going to be that person that will A, either be the best for me or B, will be the best for each other. It's like, how do we, it's like such a scary commitment to make in that sense, because I'm like, I don't know how we're going to change in the next however many years. Right. And I think part of that is understanding that like the way we got here, we have no idea how we got here. And so it's like, you're going to have to take some of it on faith and it's, it definitely happens in marriages where someone doesn't want to grow and someone's resentful, but it goes back to that. You can't change the other person. You can only improve yourself. And so, and that's part of the vows too. The vows isn't just for me to say, you know, Oh, this is our love and how beautiful it's like to explain the feelings that I have for you, but then to promise to keep that the way I feel and to protect that on my own outside, like, to take that vow in front of God to be like, I understand that this thing can easily fall apart and that I can easily want, like, 20 years down the road, want something else outside of marriage. But I'm going to say today that that's not going to happen, that I'm not going to be influenced by these external circumstances and desires. And instead, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to, like, better myself every day the best I can. That doesn't mean sometimes you take steps backwards. Sometimes... You have long weeks or months, but it's like, I'm promising to come back from those long weeks or months or that terrible day, or, you know, I'm promising to work on myself constantly and, and, and you're going to do the same when you vow. And like, if we both take it seriously, if we both promise these things, then it'll be fine. But I think there is a point where it's like, yeah, it's, we're people, we're still fallible, you know, like we could make these promises and we could fall short of that promise, right? Because we are human beings. And I think that that's why marriage as not just a institution of love, but also an institution of like its purpose is to have children after and to bring children up with a mother and a father in the home. And it's like, with that in mind, it's like, even if we fall off the wagon, as long as you're not out cheating on me and I'm not cheating on you or doing like crazy things, if it's like, just a general, you know, like discontentment or whatever it may be, then we owe it not just to like you, you know, ourselves, but to the children. Because I grew up in a single, you know, single parent household. You did too. It's not fun. I miss my dad. You missed your dad, I'm sure. It's like, you know, we owe it to them to give them our best. And it's like, you know, if we fall out of love, like, I don't see that happening. We can't control that. But, like, if you put yourself in that worst circumstance, I think that you have to remember it's for them. And you're doing, like, like you've had children, you've made that commitment, and now you don't get to just walk away because you have these other people and beings who are going to live beyond when you've lived. And, like, you owe it to them to pass on all your knowledge, to give them all your love, to nurture them and their dreams and passions so they can make a better society, so they can you know, do things and have a better life than what you had. And that's also, that's part of marriage that people forget. It's not just about me or about you. It's about the kids as well. And so it's like this 
like it's a balancing act you know you can't you know it's it's hard it's definitely hard yeah and I mean there's there's so many things that like when yeah when you say that because that's like I I get very I mean again it's like that swaying by other people's stories and other people's circumstances because I was just listening to a podcast where a girl like her husband was not treating her well at all was not willing to grow was not willing to have those conversations and they had kids together and she was trying to keep it together for the kids as long as she could but then at one point has to walk away and I think that there are so many circumstances like that of like what's best for the person actually is to not be together and what's best for the kids is actually the best for that. So it's so nuanced, but what kept coming up as you were talking is just like this phrase that actually, whenever I was worried about how our future was going to go and if you were going to be living in Michigan and I was going to be living somewhere else, I remember this phrase kept coming to me was just like, I trust us and I trust life. Yeah, and like that's what, I guess that's what comes to me in this moment of like, sure, we don't know what the future holds for us. Like, you can't know. We don't know what the future is. But it's an act of trust. It's just, yeah, I trust us. I trust what we've created. I trust what we've built over these last five years. And I trust life. I trust the direction. It's like, and in a way, then I trust God. It's like we, you just have to trust. You have to kind of like jump in and trust because even we've been together five years and I still question like how do I know I'm really ready to get married now like I I don't know that and like I don't know that but yeah we've done enough work we've done enough together that you just trust and we can't control the future but we can yeah, only show up for ourselves, like you were saying, and show up for each other. No, definitely. Yeah, I think that's the biggest part of it, is, like, we just have to have faith that, right. you know, the thing, way things have worked out now, like, they'll continue to work out that way, and we're going to do our best and our darndest, and, like, you know, we're going to have children, God willing, and, like, you know, we're going to give them a great home, and we're going to be committed to them, but also each other, and, like, that's going to take some sacrifice sometimes and it's not always going to be easy, but I have faith that, you know, when the times do get hard, like God will keep up. Like there's a reason, you know, we're here today yeah. and we'll, we'll maintain that. So, yeah. Okay. Beautiful. I think, do you have any last thoughts or last questions? Cause I feel like I could talk to you for like five more hours, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe we can do like a post honeymoon. A post and talk about the wedding. Yes, we should. No, I actually really want to. Yes, we can, then we can talk about how the actual wedding went. I mean, because yeah, I'm gonna record some other podcasts about like the whole wedding planning process because that's been like a trip in itself, Definitely. and also a very spiritual process. It has been an extremely spiritual process, just of like all the triggers that come up. And all of the different things that come up involved in the process. And I don't know how much you've, ex I mean, you've seen me go through that, but I don't know how much of you've, I don't know how much you've gone through that on, as far as the wedding planning process stuff. I mean, yeah, not much. You know? <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> it's the typical guy response. I know. <laughs> She's taking care of it. Like, <laughs> if she wants me to help, I'll help do certain things. But, yeah. 
yeah decor and you make it however you want sweetie. <laughs> yeah. yeah which is yeah we've had different tips over that too <laughs> but, yeah but, i'll be glad when that part is over like, no man. me too i mean it's just been it's like right not only are you getting ready for this huge transition to join and commit your life to another person it's like it's just so multi-layered Definitely. And like, not only is all, and then you're leaving your family of origin, you're creating a new family of origin. There's all this stuff that comes up around that. But then also, you're also planning an event, like, right. which maybe people hire wedding planners to do that for them, but that's not how we roll. So <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah, I was like, I wonder what other people do for this process. Cause does everyone go through this? Cause it's been insane, but we'll get into that. I think I'll do some solo episodes after the wedding once I've been able to process everything but thank you love for coming on the podcast finally you're welcome and well, I'll commit to coming back at some point <laughs> in the future maybe five years from now <laughs> you'll come back five if... years from now we'll do the post-wedding <laughs> yeah. doc the post-wedding doc yeah and maybe one day our kids will listen to this episode but maybe not yeah who yeah. knows where the internet will be by then yeah yeah okay well I love you thank you yeah love you too I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.